0: Good morning, man. It is good to see you all. Uh, So good to be together um, this morning. So glad that you're here. Trust you're having a festive weekend. Trust you have stayed relatively safe with all manner of explosives um, so far. There's still time though. Uh, Be careful out there. Again, if you're a guest with us, a special welcome to you. Uh, My name is Kondo. I get to serve as a pastor here at Uh, mission point. And uh, this morning, uh, we are continuing this journey we've been on talking about freedom from the book of Galatians. Um, And we've just been reveling in the fact that Jesus Christ has set us free. If you're a follower of Jesus, the words we're singing up here are not just songs. These are truths we're declaring about what Jesus has done for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, He has set you free. He has unshackled you. And uh, we've been taking steps. What does it look like for us to start to live in that freedom? What does it look like for us to enjoy that freedom? For that to not just be something, again, we talk about or theorize about, but something we actually experience and enjoy. And um, this morning, we we want to continue that conversation. And we want to ask a a really key question. And, And the question is this. If Jesus has set us free, what does it look like for us to actually enjoy and experience that freedom, particularly when it comes to our struggle with sin? What does that look like? Now, let me just give you a warning ahead of time that this, this, Talk isn't going to be for everybody. It's going to be for those of us who are sitting in the room and we know what it's like to have an area of sin that we struggle with. It's only for those of us who know what it's like to want to do the right thing, but to find this temptation constantly dogging us. It's for those of us who long to do what God desires— but find ourselves with our spiritual kryptonites stumbling around. And then we wonder, is freedom real for me? Is freedom in the cards for me? So if you've ever been in that situation, and I know I have, but I know I am today, and you know that there's an area that you just seem to struggle with, then I trust this will be helpful for you. What does it mean? What does it look like um, for us to journey in enjoying freedom, particularly when it comes to our sin? And so as Paul uh, helps his friends in the province um, of Galatia here, as we'll see in a little bit, he tells them that it is entirely possible to live a life in which we are saying no to our natural impulses to reach for and to live in sin. If you have a copy of the scripture, let's just go um, right there. Galatians chapter 5. This is where we've been. Um, we thought we we're going to wrap the series this Sunday, but we'll probably continue it in a couple of weeks um, Lord willing. But if you have a copy, Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be, and we're going to start reading at verse 16. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, no worries this morning. Uh, We'll have the verses up on the screen. You can follow along that way. But if you don't own a physical copy of um, the Bible, we would love to get one into your hands. So at the end of the service, head to the connection corner, out those back doors, and someone will hand one to you. But Galatians chapter 5, and this in my opinion is one of the most clear and concise verses on what it looks like to enjoy freedom, what it looks like for us to learn to say no to our sin. Because again, if we're really, really honest, we will say that many times it feels like sin has the upper hand and is getting the best of us. And then we'll read a passage of Scripture that says, you are free. And we'll say, eesh, only when I sing about it, but not when I actually get home to try and live it out. And I love this. This is one of the most concise and clear passages of Scripture telling us that in Jesus it is possible... To say no. So we'll start at verse number 16. And here's what it says So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me read that again. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul says, if you want to learn what it looks like, what it means in real life to say no to sin, you're going to have to learn what it means and looks like to walk by the Spirit. This is, by the way, how I know the Bible has to be true. Um, Because no human being would come up with a saying like this. This is just not how we naturally process. This is not how we naturally think. This goes against everything in our nature. This goes, frankly, against everything in the popular Christian culture, right? I mean, when I feel like I'm struggling um, with matters of temptation, when I feel like I'm losing the battle and giving in to my impulses, walk by the Spirit is not the first thing that comes to my mind. That's not how I respond. That's not what I do. My natural instinct and I think I, I, I fall squarely in, you know, the larger portion of the church community. No, my response is to create more rules. The problem, the reason I'm breaking God's rules is because I don't have enough rules. And so my natural instinct is actually to create more rules. If I can create stricter guidelines, then I'll insulate myself from that struggle. So no more drinking after 4 p.m. and before 10 a.m. in the morning. And if I can just do that, stricter rules, right? No movies rated above G. That's it taking the passcode off my phone and leaving it in the kitchen. That's the new rule. Because if I can figure out new and stricter rules, then I'll obviously learn how to say no to sin. That's how natural response A natural response is more rules. A natural responses is, is grander resolutions and we'll start the year and we will have these strong declarations about what we will do differently this year. If we can just And we'll come up with these things starting this week. Kids, we are going to church every single week this week. And then, you know, and that's the new rule, right? (laughs) It's hilarious. We do mean it, though. I mean, uh, it's the thought that counts. Um, I would just generally try harder. If I dig deeper, if I work harder, and what we do crazy stuff, and the next thing you know, you have a rubber band like mine. You know, um, this, by the way, is uh, relative to my adoption, but I've heard stories like this, like, you know, where people have rubber bands, and if I feel tempted to sin sexually, I'll yank the rubber band and pop! and that would be a painful reminder, like no sin for you, right? And then If I can just maybe torture myself, punish myself, or whatever the case is, then I'm going to figure it out. Or some of us will do things, well-meaning things, like we'll get into accountability groups. Because if I can have a bunch of other people looking in on me, then I am going to maybe. And again, you're going to see soon that these are not bad things. My point is this is where we naturally and instinctively go to deal with The problem, our natural instinct when it comes to fighting sin is to strive. It's not the Spirit. It's to work. It's to do more. It's to make more resolutions. This is how I know. This has to be from somewhere else, what Paul says. And yet, if Paul is right, then it means if you are fighting sin by striving— You are working a sinking strategy. By the way, how's it working out for you? You will end up back, and here's what will happen. You're going to end up back in the slavery of legalism. And legalism says if I strive and work hard enough, then I'm going to earn God's love. Now we're saying that I'm going to stop sinning, which is going to impress God somehow. And we go back to striving in our own power, in our own efforts, and it becomes about legalism again feeling like God loves me more when I'm I'm striving and working a little bit more. And then when we see a little sign of success, we get super proud and super puffed up. And then when we fail again, everything comes crashing down and we start to sink in shame and we start to hide in secrecy and we start to skip those accountability groups because I don't want to be reminded of what I've done. And so all of a sudden I'm super busy. And the cycle perpetuates. Paul says, no, if you're going to enjoy your freedom and say no to sin, it will never come by striving. It will come by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, while I'm making preliminary observations, um, because I get so caught up in these beautiful um, texts of Scripture, um, but I, I also... Just want to note how much my soul laughs when I read the word walk. I love that. That's so good. It says right here, you saw it, so you know I'm not making this up. When it says walk by the Spirit. Oh, man. Um, Because sometimes, in fact, I would argue that most times... uh, The Spirit just wants to walk with you. This goes against the trendy narrative of church these days. See, the Holy Spirit has become, you know, the the most controversial um, member of the Godhead. And uh, when we think of Him, we think of these epic explosions. Holy Spirit showed up. Epic explosion. Then we think of CGI. And he healed my, my hangnail. And it was awesome. And he turned my kidney stones into like Chick-fil-A nuggets, which is super gross. And you never eat Chick-fil-A again. Um, I'm just mad because it's Sunday. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's how we think of the Holy Spirit, and fire fell, and I defied gravity, and I flew, and it was epic, and the Spirit showed up, and it was awesome. And Paul says, nope, most of the time, he just wants to walk. The Christian life is not about these epic flying and trapezing moments. It's just about learning to walk with him every day. day so I say he says walk by the spirit if you're going to learn to say no to sin it's not going to come in these really epic monumental and you know this we get to this point where "Pray God do this epic miracle where I just all of a sudden fly out of my sin and never have to worry about it again that's called dying (laughs) and again maybe that's your prayer Paul says, no, you have to learn to just walk with Him. It's not always going to be impressive. It's not always going to be Instagrammable. In, it's just going to be, you know, it's journey with Him. So what does it mean to, to walk by the Spirit? And um, brace yourself because, again, it may not be as epic as you think. Um, but what does this mean? Because again, this church lingo can sound really cool, like walk by the Spirit. And everyone's like, amen. And then we leave and then we get home and it's like, oh yeah, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? And so we want to just take a little bit of time this morning to, to talk about that walk. Uh, the word walk um, means to cooperate. The word walk means to cooperate. It's the idea of cooperating with or going along with something. I've told you, by the way, the story about when my brother and I were young and we nearly perished because we ate some, some pretty poisonous powder. We thought it was powdered milk, and so we downed the stuff. And my mom caught us in the nick of time, hence we are both alive. Now, I just want to say for the record, it was my brother's fault because he's a the, he's the smart one. Uh, but I don't know if I've told you a story about when some friends and I, like uh, when I jumped this really high rusty fence uh, and I climbed this fence and jumped over it instead of just opening the gate and walking through it because my friends had jumped the fence and I ain't no punk. And so my friends were like, you know, come on, jump with us. And so I jumped this fence. And when I landed, the momentum carried me backwards and I landed on my back on this stake, metal stake that was in the ground. And I lost a pretty substantial chunk of flesh um, from my back. And then I went home and I had to explain this to my mom. Um, and I was telling her, ain't no punk, you know, while I'm, <laughs> while I'm the, ain't no punk mom, you're raising a man, you know. So anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, but if you're a parent, you understand that, this situation where it's my brother's fault that I nearly perished by, you know, eating the powder stuff, and uh, it was my friend's fault that I nearly perished by jumping over a fence instead of just walking through it. It just set my mom up. It was like coach's pitch. It's like setting her up for the speech you know she gave me. If your friends, (laughs) you know the speech, you know, (laughs) if your friends jump off a cliff, will you jump off a cliff? like, watch Friends, you know. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is a speech. It gave her the perfect opportunity to go all up into the whole peer pressure. You do not, condo. no, you do not follow the knuckleheads just because they are loud and influential. That's my mom. See, parents are clapping now, right? Like, you do not. That's peer pressure. Don't do it. Anyway, I just wanted to share a little bit about my upbringing and to also say, um, the word for walk is actually the same idea of pressure, um, peer pressure, um, except it's being used in the most positive of senses. And here's what Paul is saying. If the spirit walks off a cliff, go along with him, cooperate with him. Go in with him. If he woos or invites you into something, go along with it. And it is perfectly fine to say the Spirit went first. So if the Holy Spirit, yes, mom, as a matter of fact. The idea of walking is the idea of cooperating um, with the Holy Spirit's pressure. Um, This is such a great idea, by the way, and I think it's going to encourage someone if you think about it for just a moment. If the word to walk means to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's pressure, and Paul is writing to believers and saying, you learn to say no as you start to cooperate and go along with the pressure that the Holy Spirit brings about. How awesome is that. That must mean the spirit pressures. The spirit pressures. I don't know about you, but I I think about stuff like this, and it encourages me um, a lot. Now, again, pressure is not the right word in the way we would think about pressure. He doesn't pressure in a pressing or pushy way. He he pressures in the sense that he, he pulls us. He He woos us, he he invites us, he gently persuades us. And I love that because if Paul is saying go along with the Spirit, that means the Holy Spirit is constantly inviting you to go places with him. Constantly. I'm telling you, I read this and I just giggle in my soul. Because you know how sometimes you thought that the Holy Spirit only leads and only stirs and only woos and only invites that special group of of Christians who have walked with Him for a very long time. But never you, Paul says. No, 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 no. Correction. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is constantly wooing you he is constantly speaking to you he is constantly interacting with you that's not reserved for those special spiritual people you too are a spiritual person in that sense always whispering you away from slavery he's always giving you something to cooperate with otherwise the statement to will cooperate with a spirit means nothing unless he is constantly inviting you, which means you can walk with him, which means you can learn what it looks like to say no to sin. We'll talk more about how he woos in in coming weeks, Lord willing. But for now, a couple of things that I think would be helpful as we start to look for this, because if we're going to learn to walk and cooperate with the Spirit, then it'll be good for us to start to even think, well, how is he wooing me? How is he pressuring? How is he inviting me to scale fences and to 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 walk with him? and he does that in simple ways. Um, a couple of things that we'll draw out for today. Uh, number one, the Holy Spirit will convict uh, the Holy Spirit will convict he loves to do that, and again. We could sit up here and make these really complicated, inaccessible truths. But when I say the Holy Spirit convicts, I'm really talking about those inner senses you get, that inner tightness in your chest you get that tell you this is not a good idea. Don't do this. Have you ever been in the middle of something or plotting something, planning something, or going somewhere, and something within you has just felt unsettled? Like, do not proceed. Do not keep going this way. Do not respond to that text. You know what he wants. That's conviction. Turn the channel. You know where this is going. That's conviction. Don't go with them tonight. You know their plans. You know their intentions. And yeah, you're thinking like, well, maybe I can be a light in the darkness. Not tonight. Do not go along with that. Conviction. That's one way he gently pressures, gently speaks to our hearts constantly. And if you wonder, well, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit and not just last night's Mexican? Well, I'll tell you something. Here's a simple thing. If what you are sensing within you goes against what you naturally tend to do or what you naturally want that may be a hint that it is supernatural, that it is something going against what you would instinctively do, what you would naturally do. That may be a hint that the Spirit is pressuring you, and it's not just that exclusive group of people that is constantly speaking to, but you too. And Paul would say, Ooh, go along with it. That's a pressure you want to give into. So here's a funny thing. Oh, man, and this is going to trip some of you out. So next time somebody asks you, like, man, so <clears throat> has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? Some of you who've never felt like you can say yes can actually say, matter of fact, three days ago, I was making plans with some knuckleheads, and something within me said, do not do it ha, leave the Spirit on speaking terms and start to realize that he is constantly wooing and inviting. The Holy Spirit will convict. The Holy Spirit will remind. um, Another thing he loves to do, when you're reminded of some truth of the Scriptures in a given situation, that may be the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I realize that sometimes it's just our recollection. We just remembered something. But there are moments when you're in a very specific situation and Scripture just comes to mind. He loves to remind you of the truth you've heard and read in those timely moments. Uh, My wife and I, we've had quite a little bit of that recently as we've been adjusting to um, adoption, I know the Spirit has reminded me over and over again of certain stories in the Bible, stories I've not thought about or haven't, you know, read for quite a long time and he's using these to shift my perspective and I know it's him because in those moments every instinct in me wants to move in a destructive direction, wants to move in a direction of self pity, wants to move in a direction of launching out and it's the spirit who stirs and reminds of stories I heard and those stories settle and they recalibrate perspective. And I think if we pay attention, we'll start to to remember things and we'll start to have him call truth to mind, which again means you want to be getting his truth into your system for recall. And again, we'll talk about this in the coming weeks because we can't walk with him and not be engaging his truth. Walking with him is the art of going along with his conviction Um, his reminders, no matter when, what, or how crazy they sound. If you get a sense that he is saying, don't, go along with it. If you get a sense that he's reminding you of a truth, cooperate with it. Cooperate with it. Um, On Friday night, this past Friday night, Um, It was pretty late um, in the evening. Kids had gone to bed and um, I was heading out the door to go to the office to to work like I normally do. Again, I don't know what you get to do on Friday nights, but in my line of work, I am. No, I'm kidding. But Uh, I was trying to go to the office to to, to prep a little bit, and I just couldn't get out the door. It was just a bunch of little random interruptions. I would forget something, which is not particularly, you know, um, uncommon. I would, you know, pause, and then I would think about something, and then I would start to head out the doors, and it's my keys, and then it was something else. and then, And after a while, everything about this just started to seem really restless. And I remember pausing and thinking... I wonder if the spirit just is saying don't go to the office stay home. So in an attempt to learn what it means to give into the pressure I just said well I'm going to go along with that doesn't mean I'm entirely right but I'm going to go along with it to start the journey of practice and so I stayed home. And you know what that's the end of the story. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I could send then a UFO, doth descended, and angels emerged. No, I just stayed home, and um, that was it. I bring that up because uh, I'm learning that Paul means walk by the Spirit. He doesn't mean react by the Spirit or respond to the Spirit. And the reason I tell you that is this, um, there was nothing going on. Uh, there is nothing shady at the office except really unhealthy snacks, right? So it's not like I'm sitting around and thinking, oh my goodness, if I go to the office, I'm going to... No, there was nothing there. The reason I say that is because I want to learn what it means when Paul says to walk with the Spirit, to walk with Him on a Friday night when not much is going on. I want to learn what does it look like to respond to a sense or a a conviction of of, of the spirits or a reminder of the spirits when it's not high stakes. The reason I say that, church, is because if we're not careful, we are going to think walk by the Spirit means react to the Spirit. So I'm going to wait until I'm under immense pressure of temptation— then I'm going to want to learn to respond to the Spirit. No, no, no. Paul would say learn to respond to Him in the most subtle, simple moments. Walk with Him in the park so that we can learn what it means like to walk with Him in the valley of the shadow of death. So this whole idea of listening to the Spirit is just about every single day. It's not about these crises, these huge moments. Sometimes the Spirit just wants to talk to you about lunch. And sometimes it's just in the simple everyday processes that end up with like, oh, well, that wasn't a cool story. Nothing came of it. Well, because the point wasn't that some epic story happened. The point is that we're learning to walk together. And, but we didn't end up anywhere special. Or it's not about where you end up. It's who you're walking with. And so I then eventually said, like, who knows, by the way? Some of you know. I don't know. You know. Maybe there was another one of our Warsaw traffic shutdowns, you know, (laughs) that we had this past week that the Spirit was protecting me from for my own godliness. Um, But (laughs) I don't know. Sorry if you work for any of people responsible for such decisions. Um, But walk with the Spirit means to, to just go along with Him. Don't unload on the kids. Nope. Don't bring that up. Just sit and listen. Just let them talk. Hey, why don't you praise God for the breath in your lungs? But I have breath in my lungs every day. Yeah, but praise Him for the breath in your lungs. Okay. Yeah, it's your breath in my lungs. And it's interesting. We'll sing a song like that, and someone in this room is like, you know what? That's a great point. I've sang that song 50 times, but today something about that stirred me. It's his breath in my lungs, and I just want to praise him for it. Go along with that. Just go along, go along with it. This is the invitation of Paul to the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is constantly stirring. He's constantly wooing. He's constantly reminding, don't wait for some epic moment. It's constantly... What does it look like for us to start to pay attention? And what does it look like, more importantly, for us to start to go along with it? It's important to know what it looks like to walk with the Spirit every day. Because Paul says it's as you learn to do that, that you are going to figure out what it looks like to say no to your sin. And look at what Paul says next, end of this verse, verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and, here it is, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, your natural impulses to move away from God. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um. Gratify is an interesting word. Um, The other day, I went for a run. um, And uh, so I put on my shoes, I got in my car, and I drove off to to the trails. Um, I wasn't feeling it. Um, Don't judge me, but uh, I I got there, and I just sat in my car for a while. And then uh, eventually I got out, and I walked to the trailhead, you know, to start my run. And then I said... Nope, not today, Satan. And then I, I got back in my car and went home. And so uh, that's it. I have really great stories today. That's the end of the story. Um, I got home and my caring wife asked me, how was your run? You know, I'm like, mind your business, woman, I said. <laughs> in my mind, very quietly. And because she didn't need to know the details of my my run, uh, which made me wonder, is it really a run if you don't actually do any running? Um, Is this a situation where I can apply the age-old adage, it's the thought that counts? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out, but calories don't seem to honor that um, course of thinking. Um, And don't try and judge me in church either. I know some of you are planning on running marathons this year, and um, just say, how's that going? (laughs) You did not do it. Um I know some of you, I, I'm just calling out my friends now. I know some of you are planning to go to bed earlier this year. Like, no, you're like hooting like a owl at 2 a.m. in the morning every night. So don't judge me about my little run situation. <laughs> Why am I getting so defensive in church? Um, the word gratify, <clears throat> uh, it carries with it the idea of completion. It means to carry or to see something through. I'm tempted to do something. I put on my shoes, I get in my car, I get to the trail, and then I see it through. That's what gratify means. It's to see something through. The word Paul uses is a word about bringing to completion. Now, this is really interesting, um, by the way. And you can understand how it works with sin. I put on my sinning shoes, and I start to plan, and I start to—or an impulse strikes me, and I'm tempted. And so I start to figure out how, and I start to map, and I start to plan out, and then I see my sin through. That's what the word means. to gratify. And here in this passage, he's talking about seeing your sin through. Seeing your sin through. And just like it's true, by the way, for the word walk, I, I like the word gratify. And one of the reasons I like the word gratify is because gratify makes my soul lighter. And the reason it makes my soul lighter is, it be- is because it introduces and reintroduces to me the idea that there is room for struggle. There is room for struggle in your journey. It actually helps to normalize the experience of being tempted. And the reason I say that is because if gratify means to see my sin through, the implication of Paul is you will always have something you attempted to see through. You will always live with a struggle of putting on shoes, getting in your car, and wanting to do something. You will always live with a desire and plans to do things that go against who God is and what God says. As long as you live in this body, you will be tempted to see sin through. And I just want to tell that to somebody who's been feeling like there is something uniquely wrong with me. Because I keep getting in the car, and I keep putting on these shoes, and I keep planning to run marathons, and I keep setting out, and I want to sin, and why is this in me? I can't wait to get to the place where I no longer struggle with sin. I no longer jump in the car. I no longer put on my sinning shoes. And Paul would say, I'm sorry, but if you struggle with sin, and if you're tempted to sin, welcome to the human race. That will be true as long as you live. Well, I just wish I was more mature like those Christians. Which Christians? are they lying? There is no echelon of maturity where you are not tempted to sin. There's no echelon of spirituality where you don't feel your brokenness drawn to do things and to see sin through. That will never happen. And some of you have been living with this shame and oppression. and You've not been enjoying your freedom simply because it's like, what's wrong with me? And you know what's interesting about the Bible? It doesn't even discriminate on what you attempted to do. And some of us have some messed up stuff, boy. Woo! We want to do some crazy stuff. And we want to give in to some things. And we start to feel like, why am I this messed up? Because you are human. I like the word gratify. Because it doesn't mean struggle, it doesn't mean be tempted, it doesn't mean have a desire for, it means you see it through. There is a distance between my desire and my seeing something through. And I think for some of us, we've been beating ourselves up over the things that come into our minds and into our hearts and that we're tempted to to do. And I love the freedom, even that a simple word like this. Brings And if there's any doubt about that, Paul gets straight to it and tells us in the very next verse, right? Look at verse 17. He says, for the flesh, this is so interesting, it desires, there it is, what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. He is such a brilliant teacher, Paul is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying there is a constant war in you. And again, some of us have been torturing ourselves over the fact that there is this conflict in us. Why do I still want this? This constantly, this war, there are two dueling pressures. The pressure of the Spirit to go along with him, or the pressure of sin to see it through. You are constantly caught between pressures. Man, if we could be honest in church. We are constantly living in this place. They are constantly wooing. Both of them are constantly inviting. They are both determined to be the great influence in our lives the flesh promises pleasure and promises comfort the spirit promises freedom and he promises fullness and you end up feeling torn between what you know is right and what you want to do and so you don't ever actually do what you want because one of your wants gets a no but i want to do what's wrong but also want to follow the spirit so you're constantly torn between wants Again, if you've been a follower and feeling torn, you need to know that it's part of the journey. Stop being cruel to your heart by telling yourself there's something uniquely wrong with you. And stop being crazy and delusional by holding out for the day when that will stop. I'm so mature now, I'm not even tempted anymore. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as you are. Are you better than him? No. So good for us to find a little bit of freedom, even in that. Now, again, think about Paul's brilliance. He says, you are going to either walk with the Spirit or you're going to gratify the flesh. Those are your only two options. You will give in to one, or you will cooperate with the other. In the war, there is no neutral zone. There is no demilitarized territory. You, and this is where we just want to pause and process this, even as we walk out of this space. Because here's what Paul is essentially saying. You are constantly giving in to one pressure or the other. Constantly. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's true about our sin and it's true about the spirit. You don't wake up and then you get up in the morning and then all of a sudden you land in this major sinful activity. I'm not saying none of us do, but I'm saying, no, it's, it's, it's thoughts. A thought occurs to you or someone upsets you and it triggers a desire to get online or you get stressed at work and you start to think about, oh my goodness, if I could just, and you start to think about it, you start to stew, right? In the same sense, I'm just going about and then the spirit reminded me about something. And I'm either going to start to stew on that a little bit. I'm going to start to process that a little bit. I'm going to start to go along with his truth a little bit. But the point is, I'm giving in to one pressure or another, not just in epic moments, but in the daily moments of my life. Sitting in here, what, think of the last 15 minutes where you've let your thoughts go. You've cooperated with the truth you're hearing and you've cooperated with some plans that you're thinking about. May he stop talking because I'm starting to feel guilty about some of the things I want to do a little bit later. Right? It's this constant tension. And Paul says, you are going to choose to give into one or the other. And whichever you feed the most will win. On a regular basis, whichever you say yes to the most, We'll win. And it's a powerful thought for us to think about. There is a way that does not see sin through. And he says it's if you walk by the Spirit. Because you're always walking by something. You're always cooperating with something. But if you start to cooperate with the Spirit, it's a really powerful thing. You may even have plans, and you may even have your shoes on. And you may even start moving in that general direction. And the Holy Spirit will prevent us from seeing that sin through. It doesn't mean you're not going to think about it, you're not going to want it. You may even get to the point where you start to plan it. But the Spirit will start to prevent us from seeing things through. You may have taken the inappropriate selfie. And yet the Spirit starts to do a thing that doesn't allow you to see it through. But that doesn't happen in the instant moments. That happens because I've been walking with Him, and I've been giving into His pressure over time. And then it says in verse 18, but if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Which again, if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to be set free from the law, and you're going to be set free from sin if you are walking with the Spirit. And so a huge question for us to just start to think about in terms of walking with the Spirit is which pressure are you feeding more? And I'm not asking about when you're in a crisis of temptation. I'm asking about when you have neutral downtime. What do you do? What do you feed more? And if we start to be honest, we realize, oh my goodness, I will fill my downtime with social media, everything. And then Netflix binge. Everything. And then I'm going to socialize, and it's like, I've not actually taken time to feed or to go along with His truth. I've not actually taken time to go along with, with, with where the Spirit is leading me. I've not taken time to just be quiet and listen to Spirit. Is there something you want to say to me or remind me? I've not sat with this book. I'm I'm too busy on news sites, keeping up with the political arena. A great question about how you're walking with the spirit is just what are you doing in your neutral time? What things are you doing to say, and I'm feeding my soul, and I'm feeding um, the spirit. And again, you notice it's not bad things. And we like to say that, well, it's not really bad things. That's true. But if I continue to do these not bad things, and that's all I feed, then I wonder, how did I end up over there? Well, it was a social media path that I've been walking for three years. So now my identity is hijacked. And now the leading cause of depression among teens is social media. How did we get there? It's because we used a lot of neutral things but just kept feeding them. And eventually what you feed becomes the sole influence in your life. You want to walk by the Spirit. Start in small moments and small Spaces. Take your Bible into the restroom. Leave your phone out or pick your app. Whatever the case might be. Which are you feeding? I long to see the Spirit invite us to walk with Him. It's not these epic moments. It's in these day-to-day decisions that we are making. And we'll talk about this next week. But let me just read Um, the next section of Scripture for you. Um, This is verse 19, and it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, it says. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. This is quite, quite a list. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those, those who live like this, who continue down this path, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what we want to say about that, and we'll see this in a couple of weeks when we talk about this next section of Scripture, which leads into the fruit of the Spirit, is Paul is telling us, you can know which you are feeding more by which is showing up more in your life. If you look at your life and the things you see are jealousy and drama and dissension, and it's just tension everywhere, and it's giving into sexual, you know, stuff, whether it's online or in bed or whatever the case is, if those are the things that are showing up in your life, then you know which one you're feeding more. And you're going to see the answer is not stop it. That's not where Paul starts. Paul said feed something different. Because as you feed something different, new things start to emerge. We love to fight the battle at the behavior. And Paul's saying, no, you will never win by striving to deal with the behavior. The behavior just tells you what you've been feeding. Oh, my waistline. No, my, my waistline, don't blame it on the belt. It's just telling me something about what I've been doing leading up to this point. This is a beautiful invitation to freedom, but it starts in the small moments in which we are saying yes to the Spirit's gentle whispers. We are saying yes to His truth, and we are leaning into even just the slightest sense, like, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit, but that does not go with my instinct, and it seems to be in keeping with His truth. I'm going with it, and we'll find ourselves down a path enjoying freedom more and more beautifully. Uh, John, I don't know if you're back here, but feel free See what I did there? I uh, to come out. Um, and we'll close in, in a song. And um, if you want somebody to pray with you, um, we would invite you to just come on up um, here in a few moments. Um, maybe it's because you realize, I want to do better at listening to the Spirit. Or, or maybe you're saying, I've gone so far down a certain path, and I'd love the Lord to bring me back. I just need him um, to move and stir in me. Um, if you need prayer for anything as we continue this journey together, we would invite you during this song, come on up. If elders and small group leaders, if you guys are in the room, would you please start making your way up here to the front just so folks can have people to agree with them and stand with them as we take more steps towards freedom, as we listen and walk with the Spirit all the more. Why don't we stand together? And um, again, elders, small group leaders, please come on up. And if you need someone to pray with, don't let this moment pass. There are folks who will be thrilled to stand um, with you and agree with you. So spirit, move among us even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.